you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. You knew my hopeless situation. I felt like a failure, like I could never measure up to the person that I should be. The drugs and alcohol were what I lived for. I was in a really bad place. I didn't think I would survive. This was the most terrifying thing that had ever happened to me. I was crying out for the pain to stop. You knew that I was ready to walk away from you. 2,000 years ago, you left your home in heaven. You did it to rescue us. You lived the perfect life. And on the day we call Good Friday, you died an innocent death. I know that you rose again from the dead Easter Sunday. I know that what you achieved changed history forever. I know the story of Jesus. I know the story of Jesus. Please listen to these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold this man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and Crucify him, for I have found no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has a greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he, he brought Jesus out and sat down on in the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement. And in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, 
We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests and all the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, and also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let's not tear it. But cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when, John, when, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing all that was now finished, said, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When, when Jesus, Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Good Friday, it's a day of solemnity, it's a day of grief, it's a day of sadness, it's a day for tears. In fact, it's, it's very similar to where I stood this time last week, at the graveside of a friend. And as I conducted the funeral and as her body was lowered into the ground, I read these words from the Anglican burial service. I commend your soul to God the Father Almighty and your body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. These words are not found exactly in the Bible, but their essence is. 
Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, describes the the original paradise that was lost. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat the bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for your dust, and to dust you shall return. But dust and ashes don't just describe the condition of our bodies in a fallen world. They also describe our experience. There are many cases in the Bible where this is described, such as when Tamar was raped by her half-brother. It says this, She sprinkled ashes on her head. She tore her robe. And with her face buried in her hands, went away weeping. We live in a world where ashes and dust are the reality, where there is so much promise and so much hope, but that is always the end. Ashes. My dad was a volunteer firefighter, and in the 1980 bushfires on Ash Wednesday, he and his truck went to fight the fires. And as a seven-year-old kid, I remember being terrified because some of you will remember this. It turned to darkness. The ash came across the sun, and in the middle of the day, it was dark. But as a seven-year-old boy, it wasn't the darkness that worried me. It was, was the question, would my dad come home? He did although it was touch and go for him and his crew. But a few weeks after those fires, he he took us back to where they had burned. And it was a powerful experience for a little boy to see. But the thing that struck me most was the houses. And as we would pull into a particular house, Dad would describe what it was like only a few weeks before. Beautiful garden, someone's... Australian dream fulfilled, but all I could see was ashes, all gone. Those fires didn't cause the destruction of something that was not going to be destroyed. They just accelerated it, didn't they? Scientists speak about our world and and agree that one day, Probably in the far distant future, our sun will become a red dwarf. It will, it will engorge the solar system and incinerate this planet and all that is in it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And the irony of those 1980 fires was that they occurred on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday in the tr- Christian tradition is that moment when Christians uh, have ashes placed upon their head and those ashes are the, the ashes of the palm crosses that are made the week before. In that moment when Jesus enters Jerusalem in triumph with so much hope, with joy and celebration, those ashes are burnt and placed on the heads of Christians. It all ended in ashes on this day. Good Friday. This, make no mistake, is a day of ash. Dust to dust, ashes 
to ashes. Think about it. There's, we just heard them read, the, the bitter ashes of betrayal. Jesus was rejected by the ones that he came to save. He was rejected by his closest friends, betrayed by one he loved, abandoned when he needed his friends most. The ashes of injustice, the sham trial of a religious leadership that already knew what it wanted to do, the sham trial before the Roman procurator. Everyone knowing the man was innocent. And everyone colluding in the end in his death. And there's the ashes of human brutality on display. The mocking of the guards as they whipped his body until his bones stood out like white cliffs in a sea of blood. The taunting of the religious leadership. You saved others, save yourself. The curses of the criminals on either side of him. And the callous brutality of the soldiers who would mock, who would gamble for his clothing while above them a man, an innocent man, hung, bleeding, dying, suffering. There's ashes everywhere. And there's the ashes of those who stood watching him. The Apostle John and the women, they thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought Jesus was the one who was going to save the world. Now for them, there is darkness, bitterness, ash. Make no mistake, we're at a funeral today. It's right that we are solemn and reverent. It's right, perhaps, that we shed tears. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But this is not just the funeral of Jesus we attend. When I was in my 20s, I went with some mates on a road trip along the Great Ocean Road. We're full of life and vigor and excitement and joy, and we came to the 12 apostles look out and I remember looking out over it, the, the beauty of all the creation laid out before me, full of life and sunshine and blue sky. And, but at that moment, someone decided to release the ashes of their loved one. But instead of the wind blowing the ashes out to sea as they intended, it blew them back into my nose and into my mouth and into my clothes. In the midst of life, I, I tasted in that moment the reality of death. And that reality was, it was just a foretaste of what is coming. All of us labor under this judgment of sin and death. All of us. Now we stand like I did last week beside the funeral, by the graves of others, and we weep for those that we love. But in just a twinkling of an eye and a click of a finger, it'll be us. It'll be you and it'll be me being lowered down into that grave. The curse will come home to rest. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's our funeral too. But this day is also a day of beauty, isn't it? In the midst of the ashes, there's, there's the beauty of love of those women faithful at the cross of Jesus. But their love is, is just a, a pale shadow of the love of the one who hangs on the cross himself. The love poured out as he hangs in excruciating agony. The word itself, excruciating, means literally from the Latin, from the cross. As Jesus hangs in agony, 
He said just the day before, he said, don't, don't you think that I could ask for my father and he would send more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus is not hanging on the cross because his plan came unstuck. He's hanging on the cross because he wants to. He's hanging on the cross because of his love. And in that love, it never wavers. And isn't there beauty in that moment when in his excruciating agony, he can look at the, the mother that he loves and can think of her needs above his home, even in that moment. But there's beauty not only in the love of Jesus, but in the fulfillment. The soldiers are going about their business. They've been tasked with a crucifixion detail and they're carrying it out. But as they do it, unknowingly, they are fulfilling prophecy after prophecy. Prophecies written, for example, by David in Psalm 22, almost a thousand years before this day took place. But it's not just the dividing of the clothes that fulfills prophecy. It's the wine that they give him and the nails that they pierce him with and the spear that they use to puncture his chest cavity and the fact that not a single one of his bones is broken. There are at least 39 prophecies that Jesus Christ of Nazareth fulfills as he hangs on that cross. Prophecies that he could never have set out to fulfill had he desired it. There's beauty in the knowledge that this funeral is no accident. These prophecies given hundreds of years in advance show that this was planned. Before those divine hands flung the stars into space, before humanity was created, before Adam sinned, before paradise was lost, before ashes came into this world, this was planned. It was prepared. But why? Why is this brutal and horrific day necessary? Why is this kind of brutality required? Why? The answer is in Jesus' last words. Or better, in the original Greek, it's one word. It's the word tetelestai. Translated, it means it's finished. There's nothing left to be done, it's accomplished. But when Jesus cries out, tetelestai, it's finished, what does he mean? Does he mean that his life is finished? Because that's true. A few moments later, he will die. So is Jesus saying, I've failed? It's over? All that I planned to do in the world, it's, it's failed? No, it's not. That's not why Jesus said, it is finished. It was a cry of triumph that the job had been completed, the task was done. The scripture teaches us that in this crucifixion of this innocent man on the cross, something cosmic in its significance occurs. Something which significance cannot be surpassed by anything in this earth now and for all eternity. In this moment in history which really did occur on the cross of Jesus Christ, God does something extraordinarily wonderful, extraordinarily deep. The innocent Son of God is punished on the cross of Calvary for the guilty ones. He hangs on the cross so that you and I will not have to face the punishment of God. He takes what is yours and what is mine, ashes and dust. 
And in its place, he gives us what is his, righteousness and life. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But when Jesus cries out, tetelestai, it's finished. He says, it's done. This last word of Jesus, tetelestai, it's finished. It's actually a term from the world of accounting. It's a term from the world, uh, world of finance. Archaeologists have discovered in numerous places throughout the Roman Empire uh, financial recordings of debts that were owed. And on some of these debts, written or stamped across it is that same word, tetelestai. It means paid in full. Debt cancelled. Nothing more to be owed, nothing more to be done. Paid in full. Jesus hanging on the cross in our place and for our sins means it's finished, it's done. There's nothing more that you and I can do. It's complete, it's finished. Can you see why Christians have always called this day Good Friday? Jesus has paid it all. But there is something we need to do. There is something that we must do. In the early days of the American pioneer settlement, pioneer wagons moving into the west of what is today the United States would encounter vast prairies of grass. Beautiful, but also dangerous. They were subject to fire. And there were times when vast fires would race across the prairies towards these wagon trains, slow moving. There was no way that they could outrun them. There was no way that they could dodge them. There was no way that they could avoid them. But the pioneers learned something about those fires. They learned not to fear them. This is what they did. When they saw the billowing smoke moving towards them, they would stand with their backs to the wind they'd light fires, and the fires would race away, carried by the wind. And then only a few minutes later, these pioneers would move forward with their families and their wagons into the middle of the still smoking ashes. And they were completely safe from destruction. The fire had already burned. It could not burn again. They were safe. And if you are a Christian here this morning, that is how you stand, safe. As Jesus willingly hangs on the cross, he carries your judgment and my judgment. The fire of God's anger and wrath burns on Jesus Christ. And our response is to, our requirement is to move forward and stand in the ashes at the foot of the cross. Because in that place, the fire has already burned. It cannot burn again. God's judgment has fallen on his son. Our debt has been paid. It is finished. Paid in full. And so this Good Friday, you and I need to do that again 
For many of it is again. For most of us, we are Christians. This is, this is something that we gathered together today. We're aware of it. We've come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had our sins forgiven. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But as Christians, we need to come again to move forward and to stand in the ashes. To remember the fire that burned on Jesus Christ that it might not burn on us. The storm has broken on his head so that we could enjoy the blue skies of God's love and favor. If we're Christians here today, come again to the cross. Look at it again. Feel this, not just in your head as a lot of propositional truths, which are true, but as an act of incredible love so that you and I could be saved. Feel it. But perhaps some here today or online, you don't know the reality of this. You're not a Christian. You, you stand in the path of the fires as they come, and there has not been a fire that has burned before, so it will burn on you. In this day of Good Friday, in this moment, hear the invitation to come forward. And maybe for the first time, maybe to stand in the ashes of the cross at the foot of the cross to look up at the one hanging there and to put your faith and your trust in him. Oh, won't you come? Won't you come to the foot of the cross? Because yes, Good Friday is like a funeral, but it's like no wake that you've ever been to any more than winter is the end of life. This is only the beginning. And what is to come is something that makes my heart and your heart, I hope, burn with joy. I open with a burial service. I want to finish by reading the second part of that service. Because it reminds us that this funeral of Good Friday is like no other funeral you and I have ever experienced. I commend your soul to God the Father Almighty and your body to the ground, earth to earth, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But then this, in sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be like his glorious body, according to the mighty working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, overcome by the resurrection of the one who was crucified. I'm going to pray for us, and then Pete is going to lead us in a time of communion together while we reflect on this, but let's pray. Father God Almighty, thank you that you love the world so much that you sent Jesus. On this moment of Good Friday, thank you that it is done, paid in full, it is finished. And as we look to the cross and its finished work, help us to stand in the ashes at its foot and remember what these ashes have achieved for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.